0: I'm fine, this is my podcast, and it has spoilers for Beverly's Cobb. Get the fuck out! My cat is very serious! This is Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then compete to improve them. I'm your host, Craig... And this week's movie is 1984's fish-out-of-water action comedy with a little lemon twist, Beverly Hills Cop. So, Peril Pals, order a late supper, shove a banana up your tailpipe, and let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm the drug lord, crime boss, and chief curator of the Panel of Peril. In a moment, I'll welcome the rest of the panel, who will compete against me at the close of the show, in a bid to become Beverly Hills' most prolific collector of art and cocaine, as we each try to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week, before we vote to name this week's most diabolical. As ever, I'm joined by three strip club stick-up men. Please, introduce yourselves and tell me, have you ever felt like a fish out
1: of water? Let's start with Ben. Hi, Ben here. This was quite a tricky question. I had to really think about it. I don't often feel like a fish out of water. I'm not a kind of person. I just get on with things and see where it takes me. Bullocks. But the one time I really perhaps <laughs> felt...
2: The only people who go with the flow are dead fish, men
1: And turds. I don't go with the flow necessarily, <laughs> but... I assess the situation and do the best I can in that situation. I don't really think, oh, i have out of my debt for oh, I feel like I feel like an imposter. Went with you first
0: because at a fairly young age you moved to a non-English speaking country, and I thought that would be your fish out of water story.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel like that at all. I mm. felt like this is an adventure. I just went and wild, you know, buck wild. But then, then I really thought about it and. My, the first funeral, first Japanese funeral I went to, I thought, "Oh shit, I'm through the looking glass here," mm. because in Japan you have to be cremated by law, mm. and the tradition okay. is once you get the ashes back, you're there when they bring them out, and you see like the bone that hasn't that hasn't fully oh, burned, right. that hasn't been crushed, wow. right? Okay. And you you pass them down the line, chopstick to chopstick. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is why in Japan you never pass food chopstick to chopstick mm. because they do it with these with these ashes. And people are commenting on the bones and saying, oh, that's a good size. Oh, yeah, they had good bones, didn't they? And uh, <laughs> I felt really nervous in case I was the one that dropped it. I was the only white guy yeah. there anyway. Yeah. I thought, if I drop this, I'm going to look like a right dickhead. So that that's probably the only time I felt a little bit out of my depth, but I managed it anyway. All right. Well done. Well
0: Let's hear next from the best, the best, and the best.
3: Hello, the best, the best, the best here. And a time that I felt like fish out of water was, ooh, let's say over 20 years ago when... Um,
1: you lost your virginity. You?
3: <laughs> when our oven broke in my father's home <laughs> during the course of making a Sunday roast. No, it wasn't the oven, sorry, it was the microwave. The microwave broke, which is how the lamb shanks were going to be cooked. You know, there's microwave ball in the bag, lamb shanks. Mm. So I went a couple of doors down to a neighbor's house that we always got along well with, with my my dish with the lamb shanks in ready just to bung in the microwave for five minutes, only to find that they'd moved out some time ago and there was an entire non-white family there who I didn't know the names of anybody, never met before. But they were very nice. They invited me in, let me use their microwave, <laughs> had a chat with me. But I just because I didn't know them, it was so awkward. Just like, can I can I use your microwave, please? <laughs> just standing there watching the timer, making small talk. <laughs> okay, they're ready. Thanks. See ya! <laughs> Have you ever been back? No. <laughs> Never go back. <laughs>
0: Well, if on the off chance they're listening, they know how grateful you are.
2: to so that's something.
0: Indeed. All right, well, Turner, by default,
2: you're next. Yes, indeed. Adam here. The one that stands out most in my mind was when I was part of a punk quartet and we were booked to play a gig in Birkenhead, uh, an all-dayer with lots of bands. So we just turned up and we thought, oh, there's something odd here. And uh basically we we were a punk band, but they booked us to play a uh, metal all day. So we started playing this really fast hardcore punk, and after every song, just no reaction at all, just people just milling around, <laughs> no claps, no booze, no cheese. And it was one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life and and it was something we we all spoke about frequently after that mm-hmm. as well saying oh do you remember the time we went to met a metal all day and they booked this and we were <laughs> somebody got us on and we don't know why the fuck they booked this so yeah that was pretty uh-huh. pretty uncomfortable
0: as for me on millennium eve i went with some friends to an event at cream on liverpool ducks uh, that began as a series of sets by rock bands and then continued into an all-night dance party after the the midnight countdown So at one point I got separated from my friends and I was just dancing on my own, sort of minding my own business. And a girl came up to me who was clearly like a clubber, and she asked me if I was all right. (laughs) At which point (laughs) I felt like uh, Mark Corrigan dancing at Nancy's uh, dance class, you know, letting loose. Yeah, rainbow rhythms. What must I have looked like to be asked if I was all right? (laughs) Now... As we're in our fifth season, I thought it would be a great time to try out a new segment, which I'm calling Beverly Hills Flop. According to producer Don Simpson, when it came to one of the stars who was previously attached prior to Eddie Murphy, he had to take an unusual action to get him off the project. I'll share three apocryphal tales relating to actors considered for the role of Axel Foley, two of which will be fake and one real. And all you need to do
1: is spot the real one doesn't apocryphal mean made up
0: no it means it's uh not necessarily true okay but don simpson says it is it's
2: so it's
1: filled,
0: it's I think, yeah. simpson and the star in question had a shared interest in youth treatments and don used his considerable sway to get this actor to the top of the waiting list for a radical new surgery so who was it and what was the treatment for was it number one did Mickey Rourke allegedly get to the top of the list for experimental Lassa Apso hormone injections to permanently relax his wavy hair? Is it number two? Did Sylvester Stallone allegedly get to the top of the list for experimental sheep hormone injections to permanently increase his tumescence? Or is it number three? Did Richard Gere allegedly get to the top of the list for experimental baboon hormone injections to permanently relax his anus. Is that one, two, or three? And and this time you're looking for the real one, not the fake.
1: So we've got to find the fake one, and the other two are real? No, two are fake, one's real. Okay, because we're in our fifth season now, and I just need to make sure we get get the (laughs) rules right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't look like a bunch of amateurs. (laughs) Got to be Mickey Rourke,
3: in it. I'm sure I've read that Sly was near the top of the casting list, if not cast at some point for this. But
0: they all were. Oh, they all were. That's the common denominator. I'm still going to go with Sly. <laughs> okay. All three of them were um, in the running for the role. The thing is, one of them, Don Simpson, wanted off the project, and he wouldn't leave. So to get him off the project, he got him to the top of the list for this treatment. So Gaz is saying Sylvester Stallone... Ah, uh, oh. The best, the best, the best is saying Sylvester Stallone yeah. wanted to have the same brilliant rock car directions that the best, the best, the best has as a real man that he is. <laughs> <laughs> <Dan Tootin. laughs>
2: like a fucking broom handle. <laughs> broom handle, Marza. Don
0: Tootin is what he calls it when he's in action. The
1: best, the best, the best, is what do you imagine when you imagine uh, Sylvester Stallone's two messants?
3: Um, oh, it's big isn't it I imagine like a large New York slice of pizza <clears throat> You know the really big ones <laughs> Like dripping with cheese That shape as well like Wide a, at the bottom and narrow uh, at the top wedge shape yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tapers at the top
2: I'd say it's more like a calzone
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay so the best of best of best Has gone for Sylvester Stallone And experimental sheep hormones To increase sliced tumescence <laughs> <laughs> What's Ben going for? Mickey Rourke Mickey Rourke to have experimental Lassa-Apso treatments to permanently relax his wavy hair. And what about Adam Turner?
2: I'll just go for Richard Gere just to round round it all out. Just... Ba- baboon injections yeah. to yeah. permanently relax his anus. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse Larry than a tight anus. Larry Riggs! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
4: it. Larry <laughs> 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 <Yeah, Ronald. laughs>
0: Uh, Well, I can tell you the correct answer was identified by the best, the best, the best. Stallone yeah. wouldn't leave Beverly Hills Cop until he got whiff that he was allowed to go and get injections in his penis to make it stiffer. <laughs> so according to Dom Simpson, I don't know that for a fact. And
2: I think he just didn't like him very much.
0: <laughs> and, and that's why he told that story. Yeah,
2: yeah. Right.
3: Noted loon Dom
1: Simpson.
0: Also in the running for the lead role were both Billy Crystal and Michael Keaton. So if the uh, universe implodes.
1: What could have been?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so they could have both been in it. Like when when you cast a baby in a sitcom and it has to be two babies because of labour laws. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: Time now to delve into this week's film, Beverly Hills Cop. Originally conceived as a straight-action movie by legendary producers and execs Simpson, Bruckheimer and Michael Eisner, whose own personal experience informed the themes of class and social prejudice, many of the elements of early drafts of Beverly Hills Cop would later be reused by Sliced Alone in his 1986 pizza-scissoring cult favorite, Cobra. As a vehicle for edgy stand-up and SNL breakout star Eddie Murphy, the film led into the more comedic drafts from screenwriter Daniel Petrie Jr. and allowed Murphy and co-stars like Bronson Pinchot to flex their improv skills, expanding on the fish-out-of-water concept by poking fun at 80s elitist struggles to reconcile racial disparity and creating some of the most memorably hilarious scenes of 80s cinema. Director Martin Brest makes Murphy look like a bona fide action hero from the outset and allows his star to shine both in scenes of light comic relief and more serious moments of tension and intrigue. Axel Foley remains, in my eyes, Murphy's tour de force an enduringly appealing character, whose mix of warmth, humility and intellect, all conveyed with utter authenticity and conviction by Murphy, combined to make for a magnetic and relatable lead, around which the fairly hollow plot can comfortably gravitate, and making Beverly Hills Cop feel much greater than the considerable sum from its parts. But what did the Panel of Peril make of it? And I'd like to hear first from Adam.
2: Well, I'm very glad Sly Stallone didn't get his way and turn mm. this film into what he wanted to turn it into. Because, Cobra. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think yeah, we'd all be a lot poorer because of it. Mm. Who knows what would have happened to Eddie Murphy. I would have thought he probably would have found his breakout role anyway because he's too much yeah. of a personality. But what, what really stunned me about this film is that he was 23 when he starred in this and for him to come out of the traps and produce a performance like that and just steal pretty much every single scene, maybe the surge scenes, <laughs> it, yeah. it's what it's, yeah. that he's toe-to-toe. <laughs> but as well, like you say, there's there's so many things to like about this film. I really enjoy it. It's one of those films I, I, I return to semi-regularly, you know. Mm, um, yeah, but I I do prefer Beverly Hills Cop 2 because um, okay. I, I, I think... Inspector Todd and um, Paul Riser, mm. Rosewood and Taggart get bigger meteor roles. And yeah, it's just, true. they play into that and it's and it's great. And and Eddie Eddie Murphy gets even more. But but this, you know, we couldn't have that without this film and it hits all the right notes for me. Lots of good action, loads of great one-liners, some daft characters, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's fantastic. And then obviously I'd say the biggest thing that hits you straight in the face is the the soundtrack straight away from um, yeah. the, heat, the heat is on uh, yeah yeah uh, Glen Frey I've I've just been singing that I've added it to my massive playlist that I've that I've c- continued to add songs to it's just a great great song
0: yeah it's brilliant isn't it
2: yeah and I'm sure it's Harold uh, Pinter you know, the the guy who wrote too. Axel left I'm sure he's yeah. still Counting the cash coming in from Crazy Frog to this day.
0: The iconic Crazy Frog thing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: and the the neutron dance, uh also yeah. brilliant. There's loads. But
1: while you're on heat is on that opening, mm. I think that, that is tremendous. Oh. Great song. And then it sets the sets the scene, sets the world up for you. Yep. No, mm. no pissing about. Yeah, really, really well done. Yeah. Well, as you've stepped up, carry on. Yeah, well, I had a lot of fun with it too. I think you mentioned it in your intro there. The story is not exceptional, but it is mm. elevated to cult status by yeah. Murphy's charisma. and It's an outstanding performance, really. I think he, he nails the comedic moments. And again, I think you touched on it, but it's the heart and, and the serious moments, mm. um, particularly with Stephen Burkoff's villain, that ground Axel Foley and really make you root for him. Yeah. yeah, the supporting cast is excellent as well, with a very special mention for Jonathan Banks, who I think has the scariest stare in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: If anything, it's got scarier over the years.
1: <laughs> yeah, the guy's terrifying. Yeah, so overall, I give it. Uh, if you're looking for action and comedy, Beverly Hills Cop is one of the 80s' finest examples. And that, my friends, is out of five. Not
4: five. Nice.
1: Mm, That's what we're always waiting for every week. What's it <laughs> going to be out of? <laughs> all right. Well, the best, the
0: best, the best. Do you agree? Does Beverly Hills Cup hold the same place in your esteem?
3: No, not at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a real, real slog for me to, to get through this one. I'm afraid. Wow. Uh, three sittings <laughs> it took me giving up and, and resuming. Wow. There's nothing in it for me. Basically oh. everything that the first two panel members have said that they enjoyed did nothing for me. Wow. I don't care for the music. Eddie Murphy's good. I don't like uh, Tickleberry in Arsewood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy from Robocop Is Lieutenant Bergamot ronnie cox yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah i i don't think i i did an lol once which surprised me because I, I remember like craig alluded to last week watching it with my brother quite a lot it was one of his favorite films mm. one of his party pieces was playing axel f on on the yamaha keyboard and i remember enjoying it back then so i don't know maybe it caught me in uh in the wrong mood yeah but yeah it On this watch, it it really didn't do anything for me, I'm afraid. Mm. Wow. Yeah,
0: no, I find that surprising uh, because even if you're not kind of enjoying the action, I think the comedy is
1: so dead on.
2: Did you not even lol at uh, the surge bits?
1: No. (laughs) Oh my God. He's talking about about the espresso with the leather twist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't be stupid.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, maybe it was a mood thing, it often is. But yeah, for me, same thing. It's uh, one of my brother's favorites, if not, it's very favorite. And almost every time I see him now, we end up watching it and kind of laughing into the small hours. Usually, all the same bits as last time.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's the the kind of generosity of the character with the other characters that are in it, because he could be a dick to everybody, and that could be the whole character. But he's he's super smart. He shows them all how to do their job, but not in like a condescending way. He wants them to be better at it. And uh, that—that's kind of the appeal of the character to me. But yeah, largely I watch this because I—I find it hilarious and I laugh every time. I think Eddie Murphy is just really funny. And on that, I think we should probably turn next to our uh, favourite moments, and uh, let's go back to Adam.
2: I'm gonna say I love anything right at the start with um, Inspector Todd. Um, Mm. I'm thinking about his performance throughout the whole series, but this one obviously is the introduction. I just love his portrayal as the the ass fast talking inspector slash captain, uh, and I just yeah, I just love love all that. It's just he's just a great character, and he's my next favorite character to Foley. I think yeah, he's, just... yeah, he's
0: a real police chief in Detroit is at he? the time. He was. Oh, was he? And oh, he later I... became the the mayor, yeah, or mayor.
2: Gilbert Hill,
0: Gil Hill, yeah,
2: brilliant. Really, I just, I just thought he's just brilliant, and then, I, but I think they utilize him again better in, in the the sequel. So
0: yeah, I think it, it's really good because they he's the archetypal you know hard ass police chief. I don't want any more of your crap kind of thing. Yeah, but to to juxtapose that with Bogomil, who mm-hmm. is. You know, like uh, really rooting for Foley and very polite and everything. I Mm. thought that was really clever. Mm. Uh, And then back to Ben. Uh, Favorite moment from you?
1: My absolute favorite moment was in the strip club, and it's Eddie Murphy's performance Mm. in there because he's talking and the whole time he's dancing. (laughs) He doesn't stop, even when the the crooks come in, (laughs) he keeps dancing. (laughs) It's so consistent. It's amazing.
4: Yeah, that was really good.
0: Yeah, that whole sequence is really cool. There's decent action when he disarms those guys, and just him. He again, like he doesn't condescend to uh, to Taggart. He's like, you know, what do you think? What's going on over there? And he knows that Taggart's like uh, the older, more experienced of the the Beverly Hills Police, and yeah, just wants to kind of remind them like what the job can be. So yeah, that's a really
1: nice scene. It also sets up the lie. That comes back later, they're all supporting each other, yeah, kind of highlights that character arc for the two detectives yeah, totally
0: it's a it's a bit of a conceit that two guys would take shotguns to rob a strip club of all places i mean we yeah. we robbing yeah. loads of one dollar bills. <laughs>
1: Easiest to spend, in not it? Yeah. It. <laughs> I, I've been to that police station, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's the real yeah. Beverly Hills police station.
0: They weren't allowed to use it in the, in the movie, so they had to recreate it in a studio.
1: The outdoor shop. Mm.
0: Yeah, but apparently inside it looks exactly like it does in the movie, but they, they weren't allowed to use the real place. They no, really. had to recreate it. Yeah. Uh, the best, the best, the best. Uh, was there any part of the film that you didn't loathe when you were <laughs> slogging your way through it on the third watch?
3: Well, I may, may have told a slight porky previously where I said I didn't do an LOL. I did do one, uh, whether it's intentional or not, I'm not sure. The first time that Axel goes to confront Victor and he's being forcefully ejected from the building and they throw him through a plate glass window but the method that they do so is like how uh, parents would throw a child into a swimming pool, (laughs) swinging him from side (laughs) to side, yet he (laughs) is ejected through that plate glass window with the force of a fucking bullet train. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ,
2: <laughs> how did they manage that?
3: <laughs> four big strong guys. Yeah, burly yeah, guys. It was, yeah. You know yeah, how that si goes. Boys.
2: Come on. Four, well, we all know four <laughs> yeah, guys man. is equal to one bullet train. As yeah. <laughs> the old saying
1: goes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah. so the best the best of best, did you not even enjoy Victor Maitland's shiny silver gee? don't remember. <laughs>
2: I can imagine <laughs> you having one of those.
1: He's sitting, he's sitting at his desk, and Axel Foley comes in for the first time. he's got, he's got this, this like kind of judo gi on, but it's yeah, it's like a fine, it. silky, silvery material. Huh. That shows class. You know, this guy's rich.
2: Oh, maybe, maybe I would have <laughs>
3: had I've seen it.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> on the uh, subject of those henchmen, why don't they do like sort of? Loads of henchmen now that are still like middle aged and out of shape, but once they all yeah. team up together, kick the shit out of anybody.
3: That should that should be a film on its own.
2: Uh, yeah, they should have like these middle middle aged uh, bad guys in a film.
3: <laughs> it's like a reverse Expendables, I suppose, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
0: Except the Expendables, they all seem kind of tough and in good shape, but yeah, these yeah. these guys shouldn't be.
2: No, they should be middle aged out like like the fat cops on the Fast Show. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin James, Adam Sandler. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> John Goodman, but you have to get him to put his weight back on. <laughs> Steve Buscemi <Steve Semmy.
3: laughs> Paul Walter He's a big fella. The corpse of Chris Farley. <laughs> mm. Jesus. Thinner than he used to be, though, of course.
2: <laughs> now the worms have got to him.
0: <laughs> well, uh, as for me, my, my favourite sequence uh, has always been, and I'm sure will always be, the late supper and the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah, It's uh, it's genius and it's funny. The whole of it, like the calling room service, what he orders for them, I just find really funny. The shrimp salad sandwich. And then the fact that Rosewood eats it and then he puts the bananas of all things in the tailpipe. Apparently in the script it was potatoes and he was going to go in the kitchen to get potatoes, but it was his idea to... (laughs) But one of the Wayans brothers.
2: Yeah, who's the the guy dashing out the fruit? Yeah, you can just take yes.
0: him. <laughs> you, ta- you take these bananas.
2: <laughs> it's so good.
0: If we move into our favourite lines, that's mine. Go ahead, you take those bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. So, favourite lines. This time, let's start with the best, best, best. If you and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I'm starting to get the sense so you
3: probably didn't watch this too carefully. Well, I did, not I didn't. <laughs> Because, as I say, yeah. I watched it in three <laughs> sessions. Well, can't be two things. It's, it's likely that some sessions held my attention faster than others mm. that were looser. Yeah. Um, so I haven't got a favourite line. But what I would like to add is uh, that I really like the painting in Jenny's office with the, the deep red background and the black figures in the foreground. It's a very nice painting. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right then, uh, no favourite lines <laughs> from the best,
4: the best, the best.
0: Not a one. Is that a first? Has that ever been done? Yeah, I think that's
3: yeah. never been done before. Nah. No. But if anyone was going to do it,
2: <laughs> Turner's had <laughs> a few
3: where he hasn't had a favourite line.
2: Definitely. Uh, yeah, pro- that's probably true. Even some of the films I've liked, and I, I can't, I can't, I've just been too enthralled by the film that I've, I've not bothered writing them down and got Oh it's shit! Been a while, probably. Yeah. I think maybe yeah, when we
0: did. Uh, Metropolis. None no of us had a favourite line from Metropolis.
2: <laughs> or oh,
3: the uh, the old uh, bestie Keaton film there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> favourite place card. <laughs> Do you remember when we did Unshare Andalusia? Oh, no one yeah. had a favourite line in that one no, either. <laughs>
2: no, well it's difficult to pick, in it. Yeah. Who was the villain in that again? Um, Salvador Dali,
1: I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, let's go next with Adam.
2: Well, I always liked, in this film, the banter between Taggart and Rosewood. Mm. Um, So it's one of those. And I'm going to go for, they're just sat outside. I think it's they're waiting outside the hotel, the end for Foley. Rosewood says to Taggart, I've noticed you've been drinking a lot of coffee recently. (laughs) I think that's why you can't relax. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's just one of those throwaway lines. If you're not if you're not really paying attention, you wouldn't give it its its the credit it deserves. But yeah. the relationship them two have, Taggart constantly trying to mother him, but it's obviously Billy the, the other way around as well, just going worrying <laughs> about him because he's like his dad or something.
1: Well, just to add on to that, I think Judge Reinhold, he is excellent at that kind of he, he mm. kind of underplays lines and he plays yeah. a little bit naive. Yeah, yeah, but. uh Everything's really intentional. I think he's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line is an interaction between Axel Foley and the police chief in, De- in Detroit. Axel Foley says, you want to hear my my side of the story? And the chief says, what's your side of the story? And then there's, a, there's a beat, and Axel Foley says, let's hear your side of the story. <laughs> She's got nothing. It was masterful. The timing was absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah couple of uh other ones between rosewood and Taggart. there's the one where he says to him about how the average american dies with five pounds of undigested red meat in his bowel
4: yeah yes
0: <laughs> i've always remembered that and I, th- I think about it all the time but my favorite one of theirs <laughs> is when they're at the at the shootout at the mansion grounds at the end and he says to him it, it keeps thinking about the end of Butch yeah. <laughs> Which is they, they get shot to death
4: Yeah they get killed
0: <laughs> Another line I think is really funny right really close to the start is when he's pretending to be a peddler of stolen cigarettes and he says to the guy this is a popular cigarette with children
1: <laughs> yes. yes
4: Yeah
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's loads of great lines in this. Um, oh, honestly. You,
1: you, you could throw a dart at the script, I think. Right, yeah, much. yeah, yeah.
0: Honestly, genuinely surprised that uh, the, the best, the best, the best didn't have one. Anybody
1: want to say anything else about the film? Oh, i got one. Yeah. You know when they're outside Maitland's house for the first time? Yeah. Did anyone to spot the DeLorean in the background? Yeah, no? yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. I it, yeah. Cheeky little DeLorean. Yeah. One
0: other thing I'd say about it is we've talked a lot about kind of the larger supporting roles, but I think the other unsung heroes are so Jenny. I think that she's brilliant, and I've never seen her in anything else, and I I kind of looked her up and don't think she's been in anything else I would have seen, but um, I think she's so good in this.
1: I think I I heard it took so long in hair and makeup just to get that the volume in that hair that she never (laughs) worked again.
2: (laughs) VO5 ran out of uh, hairspray that week when they were filming,
1: yeah. They had to use the the jet propulsion system on a MiG-5. (laughs) <laughs> to get
0: that lift. And then the other one is just the guy who plays Mikey Tandino because obviously the the slim plot it hangs on the fact that you believe that they are old friends and that Axel would go to those lengths to avenge him. And I just feel like when they're in a scene together, they just feel like genuine old friends mm-hmm. to me. So mm-hmm. good job by that guy.
3: Is this the most famous TV edit film, do you think? Because I remember the shooting in the head of Mikey being cut out on ICB, yeah. and also yeah. famously the weird "motherfucker" being changed to "melon farmer," which is quite a famous. One, isn't
2: it? <laughs> oh wow! I thought that there was, was diehard Melon farmer. Die, Die Hard was Kaye, as well. As well. and even on um, Predator there was overdubs on that as well. Mm.
0: Predator TV, I remember not seeing Blaine's chest cavity. Yeah, exploded. Yeah. Yeah. How can you remember not seeing something? Because when I first, what I mean is when when I did see see it, it. I was like, oh shit, like Ghostbusters the first time I watched Ghostbusters on VHS and it had swears in it, I was like, what?
2: (laughs) Ooh, swears,
0: no, no, my ears. I was was pleased, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Now before we get to the competition round, if you're new to the podcast and you're enjoying it, please like, rate, review and subscribe wherever you can, but especially Apple. Apple is the Beverly Hills of podcast platforms, and Diabolical is a beat-up blue Chevy Nova. Basically, if we're going to blend in there, we need you to help us convince the stiffs at the country club that we drive the red Mercedes we're posing on the hood of in all our promo pictures. Interesting nice. thing about the Beverly Hills Cop VHS cover slash poster. He's mm-hmm. sitting on Jenny's car.
3: What's that about? Hmm. Just trying to make him look as cool as possible to draw in the yuppie crowd with their big money for the box (laughs) office. How ironic.
2: (laughs) And their phones and their briefcases and all that shit. (laughs) Imagine going into the cinema and
1: getting sat behind someone with Jenny's hair. You'd be fuming with you.
3: (laughs) Just do the little spinny bit on the lighter and it'll go up instantly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tip your coke over it to put it out once it's uh, sufficiently burnt down there. You've got to be polite haven't you? Manners everybody Good lord <laughs>
0: In Beverly Hills Cop, primary antagonist Victor Maitland uses his art gallery as a front to import shipments of illegal drugs, packed in cases of coffee grounds to throw off sniffer dogs and bypassing regular customs routes. When one of his associates, Michael Tandino, steals German bearer bonds from Maitland and returns to his hometown of Detroit, Maitland orders his execution at the hand of his right-hand man, Zach, who makes the mistake of perpetrating the crime in front of Tandino's childhood friend, Axel Foley, unknown to Zach as a Detroit police detective, whom he leaves unharmed at the scene of the crime. Ultimately, Maitland is foiled when Foley investigates his criminal activities against orders and outside of his jurisdiction, winning over and enlisting the aid of the Beverly Hills Police Department officers tasked with escorting him out of town, who risk their jobs to conduct an unsanctioned raid on Maitland's estate when Detective Rosewood witnesses his goons kidnapping Maitland's employee Jenny Summers, a mutual friend of murder victim Mikey. But how did the panel of peril rate Victor's diabolical scheme? Was it a good concept? And how well was it pulled off? And just to get out of the way, really, let's just start with the best, the best, the best. Did, did you, you remember what it was? Yeah,
3: yeah. You just you just said, didn't you? You've, you've reminded mm, me. Mm. Um, yep. Yeah. It, the, uh, yeah, he's been getting away with it. And the police department, by virtue of Lieutenant... Bergamo want to play everything by the book seem up until Axel's arrival to be quite happy to let them get away with it Mm. they may suspect that he's not on the level but he's a successful businessman and in Beverly Hills that means you don't touch him up until that point it's just uh, the murder of Mikey and the happenstance of him being mates with another cop in Detroit that is their downfall so on that basis the original plan's good but the Mike uh, Michael Trout henchman being uh, so trigger-happy and footloose and fancy free makes it a bad plan. Sloppy, I would say.
0: Maybe if he was more trigger-happy
3: mm. and he killed Axel mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Ah, true, mm-hmm. yeah, true. He does say yeah, to him, doesn't yeah. he? My mistake was letting you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well done. You remembered some from the yeah, film. Yeah, <laughs> people said I couldn't do
3: it. They were wrong. <laughs> By people, I mean Craig. People have been writing you off your whole life I'm going to have to think about
0: It's going to be tricky to decide now So maybe I won't decide yet But I'm have to think about which one of your films I ignore and give short shrift to <laughs> I
3: didn't ignore uh, it
0: Okay, let's go next to
3: Adam <laughs> <laughs> Mine are all killer now, filler, Unignorable
2: <laughs> Yeah, the best of the best of the best Summed it up there when he said It was the guy's mistake for not killing Foley for sure, that was the, the whole undoing, wasn't it? It was that couple of seconds where you just, mm. put, you just yeah, put. Yeah, it was me that said that it in the back of his head. Oh, was it? Sorry, yeah, but Ga- uh, well, yeah, sorry. It was a good but point. The best, the best, of best, of best, of best, of best, the best, the handsome beast. Yeah, he made a yeah, great. He, made a great he point. actually quoth the line, so that was that was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, uh, let's go to Ben for the broccolis.
1: Well, I am in agreement. I think Maitland was a very rich man at the beginning of the film and throughout, which means he's. Uh, it's been working very well for him. You might question why, if he's a successful art dealer, he needs the drug part of it anyway. I don't know. Mm. Greed, I suppose, is the uh, is the motive, but we never really learn it. I don't think not killing Axel Foley was his mistake, was it? So it's hard to say that he's made the error there. It's, you know, it was made by his henchmen. Mm. I think the error he makes is later not, not dealing with Foley in a more... Uh, aggressive way so I'm going to give him for his initial plan and becoming a very very rich man I'm going to give him some florets and then for not dealing with Axel Foley properly when he had the chance I'm going to minus some florets so he's going to have 11 florets from me Small when all decent, is said and done
0: mm. decent tally mm. I mean you've got to think about the difference between responsibility and accountability here so Yes, technically, Zach, Mike Trout, is responsible for not killing Axel Foley, but Maitland hired him and made him his right hand man. So he's really accountable for his actions. So it all, does, yeah. it all comes back. You know, you can't, as a manager, shirk off when one of your underlings fucks up. That's the, mm. the bottom Are line. Are you saying
1: you're not allowed to shirk off your underlings? Is that the message exactly, I should be that's taking?
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, it. like, he. You shouldn't have to middle-manage it. Like He should have a guy in Zach's position that you can trust implicitly and not have to say, I want you to kill Michael Tandino and make sure you don't leave any witnesses.
3: It should just be implied, right? Yeah, go that saying, don't leave witnesses. Every time. I don't want to say it every time, just every time.
2: <laughs> I like that you've taken the first plunge into a, a, a Maitland
0: the impression there, because it uh, <laughs> might be coming up later as well for me. Fairly, fairly. Excuse me, fairly. I've got a fraud
2: in my mouth. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, there we go, I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd largely agree, although I think he probably needed the Coke money to buy art, because art's expensive. You know, once you've bought the art, you can then sell the art for money, but you need money to buy the art in the first place and I think his real mistake here is not reacting when Foley shows up. If we say that the status quo is, you know, the movie starts how it starts, we can't do anything about that, but everything that he does from there on, we can control, then uh, you'll see why my plan is better than than his plan, which is the name of the game.
4: So what do we think
0: of Victor Maitland as a villain and Stephen Burkhoff's portrayal while we're on him? And, and and henchman Jonathan Banks are we fans of of them generally? And uh, let's go first to Turner.
2: Well, I really liked uh, Stephen Burkov as mainland hmm. I thought he was the archetypal villain, and not and he looked like it as well. If you walked in his office straight away, you'd be like, "This guy's this guy's a shit." He's got a great oh, face, hasn't <laughs> he? <laughs> yeah, this guy, you know, I you don't want to you don't, wanna, you don't wanna ask to borrow, you know quid off him for the vending machine or anything because there's no chance you're getting it so it kind of got me thinking in an 80s villain lineup so you got victor maitland hans gruber roy batty and gordon gecko so they're all standing there in front of you all looking looking at you which one do
0: you have sex with first
2: yeah exactly why choose yeah. yeah fuck marry kill
0: yeah. You're saying you can handle all four of them guys at once? Is that what you're trying to imply? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm, I'm saying let them try. I'm just <laughs> saying let them try. Hey. Let's see what happens. Nonsense. Yeah. I'd love to see it happen. So, yeah. I told you, you I, go through, I go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you making choices. I'm just inviting them all on. <laughs> I just present myself and whatever happens, happens. But
2: no, I just I just thought as a lineup out of them... I was like, mm. yeah, I think I'd probably choose Victor Maitland as the as the most most evil-looking... Yeah, he definitely looks he's, the most He's amazing. great, yeah. He yeah. turns it up to 11, I think. He's, I yeah. think he's a really good buddy.
0: Michael Douglas does a good evil stare, but at a face value, mm. you, you wouldn't think, oh, there's an evil guy.
2: No.
1: And, and you know that deep down, he just wants to make love to you anyway. Mm. He puts out <laughs> right. that vibe. He's addicted to it, isn't he? I'm bloody addict.
2: very <laughs> sexually frustrated.
0: What about you, the best, the best, the best? Do you think Stephen Berkhoff makes for a good villain?
3: Yeah, he's quite good. He's, he's got mad eyes, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. But for the most part, I, I just can't take him seriously because of his appearance on Brass Eye. All I can think about constantly <laughs> is him smashing a couple of cows up and saying, that could be your mother.
1: A crab. <laughs> <yeah>.
3: <laughs>
1: ben,
0: are you a fan of Stephen Berkhoff?
1: I think he's all right. I think he does his job well enough, but I think it's Jonathan Banks that brings the menace.
0: Yeah, I think his mystique is utterly ruined, though, at the country club when he gets cream on his face. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. so good.
1: You can see the seething anger. It's, yeah. it's beautifully played. Just hitting him yeah, wouldn't that. have been the same, but the fact that no. he gets cream yeah. on his face. It makes him look an absolute idiot. Him. Yeah, yeah. So easily as well, just flips yeah. him. It's brilliant.
0: This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of Season 5's Most Diabolical. Up for grabs is one point for each vote, which will go towards the series leaderboard. Victor Maitland tried to hide his criminal activities from the Beverly Hills Police Department by hiding his drugs in cases of coffee, killing and kidnapping friends of Detroit Supercop Axel Foley and having Foley variously thrown through plate glass and arrested. But what would you have done differently? Let's
1: start with Ben. Victor Maitland tires of the thorn in his side, Axel Foley. So he concocts a plan, both elaborate and extravagant, befitting a man of his considerable means. A showcase of the finest modern art set against the backdrop of his illustrious Beverly Hills Gallery. He knows Axel Foley is too axel nosy not to crash the party. The gala night arrives. The who's who of Beverly Hills swirls around the gallery. Corey Feldman is tonsils deep in a cream puff. Phoebe Cates is squatting near the fire exit, rolling herself a cigarette from her weather-beaten tobacco pouch. (laughs)
4: Lycra
1: enthusiast Richard Simmons is yelling at several patrons, commanding they watch his calves undulate as he lunges with hitherto unseen gusto. Unbeknown to these glittering stars, however, Maitland has filled the gallery with a Rube Goldberg machine of fake art designed to entrap fish-out-of-water Foley. When the detective enters the gallery right on cue, a grimy smirk creeps across Maitland's face, his bumpy face. He approaches Foley and asks him what he's doing at the gallery. After some verbal sparring, he gives in and tells Foley he'll talk as he doesn't want to cause a scene. He suggests they take a seat and leads Foley over to a sofa. To Foley's uncultured eyes, it looks like an ordinary sofa, albeit a stylish one. But as he takes a seat, the sofa shatters under him, sending shards of glass tinkling across the marble floor and setting off a series of artful disasters. Foley tumbles backward into a tall pedestal placed conveniently behind him. It wobbles precariously before surrendering its load a metallic sphere perched atop. The sphere bounces to the ground and rolls with increasing momentum toward a tableau of brightly dressed mannequins doing the conga. The mannequins fall one by one until the final one hits the ground, sending its head rolling toward a collection of 12 artisanal dildos arranged in bowling pin formation. As the crystal wieners hit the deck, they domino into yet more artwork, which dominoes into yet more artwork. Until every piece in the gallery is lying in on the ground in bits. Maitland feigns horror and despair at the destruction of his priceless collection. With dramatic flair, he calls the police, accusing Foley of willful vandalism. The guests look on in shock as Foley tries to wriggle out of trouble, insisting the whole thing was a set up. Fuck off! shouts a belligerent <laughs> Molly Ringwald. <laughs> <coughs> The police have no choice but to handcuff Foley and lead him away, and out of Beverly Hills for good. So,
3: what's the charge? Willful destruction of property.
1: Yeah, vandalism. Uh, vandalism. He's he just ruined a, a, priceless
2: bunch of crystal dildos. Yeah,
1: <laughs> crystal wieners. There's
2: a lot of there's a lot of ducks to get in a row there, quite literally, though, isn't there? Yeah, it's a Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine. I don't know what that is.
1: You know that you know where you've got like dominoes that fall into a ball that rolls down sets off a fan that oh, right. knocks that, that so blows the over gallery
2: some... is, that, is it okay. yeah
1: he set, he set the whole gallery up as one of those Goldberg machines
2: okay what happens if somebody was like you know halfway through it somebody just like dropped a, a drink or something in it and it started off the thing like three quarters of the way through it and ended some of it and it was like somebody else's fault
1: yeah that that would have been a disaster but fortunately that didn't happen if you heard the story <laughs> So <laughs> The fates were smiling upon the Maddie.
2: (laughs) Okay, that's all tied up in a needle. No further questions.
3: There's one
0: obvious question. So you said that all the elite of Beverly Hills were there. Uh, Where were the Beverly Hillbillies during
1: this?
2: Oh, fucking hell, yeah. They
1: got the invite, but they were still on the way because their little (laughs) open top car broke down on the way. (laughs) Right, right, okay. Mar was changing the the tyre for a cartwheel or whatever she does.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. I'm going to stop! Stop for a hold. That was the obvious question, though. So thanks yeah, for asking. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah.
3: As a little bonus, would Victor have insured all this fake artwork for
1: a high sum and claim the insurance money? Do you think? Oh yeah, you could be sure of that. Yeah, the, is the, whole, the whole gallery's insured up the ass anyway. Oh, mm. oh, at the worst.
3: At the was. In the was. Yeah. One of those.
1: Well then, next,
2: let's hear from Adam. Yes Mr Foley, come in. We're as shocked as you to hear about Mikey, says Maitland to Foley, when Axel first tells him about Mikey's death. Although, I must say, I'm very glad you're here. You've arrived just in time. What on earth does he mean, thinks Foley. Victor explains that he is being blackmailed by someone who is claiming to be a government customs official. A corrupt official who knows what Maitland is up to. Bearer bonds were a way in which Victor was being paid, and he tells Axel that he suspects this official has stolen them to use them as evidence against him unless he keeps paying him bribes. Axel mentions nothing about Mikey having any bonds on him when he was killed. Victor tells Axel, very convincingly, that he's not up to nothing other than arranging for extremely expensive works of art to pass through customs more quickly so he gets paid faster for express delivery something which he knows is illegal but makes him a richer man victor pleads individuals evade taxes through illicit means exploiting loopholes offshore accounts and shell companies they may engage in underreporting income inflating deductions or utilizing tax havens such practices are widely considered morally wrong does that make them criminals Should Victor be classed as a criminal for paying a few small bribes? What's the fucking difference? As Axel stares into Maitland's cold, dead eyes, he knows he can't stay mad at him for long. He tells Victor he's been very naughty, but agrees to help Maitland nail this shit for extorting him and killing his friend. Victor tells Axel that they're just about to deliver a bribe to the crook and that perhaps... Axel can deliver for him as a new member of his crew and take him down. Victor hands Axel a bottle full of a thousand brown M&Ms and tells him (laughs) to follow his employees down to the warehouse immediately. Once inside the warehouse, Axel is shot to bits by the out-of-shape middle-aged henchman and packed into lots of boxes and shipped out of the area in Maitland's slick smuggling operation forward slash cartel. To be disposed of in whatever means he deems appropriate. Ha 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 says Maitland when he finds out Foley is dead. <laughs> Beverly Hills Police Department just think Axel has left and are not asked at all. They're just not asked.
3: <laughs> 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 so in essence he tricks Axel into thinking he's the good guy so they'll work together. But then when he's in that false sense of security, he kills him.
2: Yeah. He just thinks on his feet straight away. As soon as he walks in, he's like, This is this guy's trouble. Let's get rid of him.
3: Okay.
1: My favourite line in that is that is that Maitland says, I'm not doing nothing. (laughs) Tell very convincingly
2: tells him that. Very convincingly. I'm not doing nothing. (laughs) I thought you were going to say your favourite line was
0: that the Beverly Hills Police Department just doesn't doesn't give a shit. They're
2: not arse. they really are. Yeah, that so, um, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: excellent too. I buy that. But what about your favourite
3: character, Inspector Todd? Yeah, would he not be looking for Axel?
2: Yeah, he just thinks he's gone missing on the way home. I'm just like, oh, that Axel.
3: Well, that is like Axel waka waka waka. <laughs> and then then Iris in.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well then. Let's see if the best, the best, the best has written a better plan than the screenplay for Beverly Hills Cop, which he so loathes.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, 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 I well, haven't. Well. Uh, just to preface, I know I'm not getting any votes this week, so just just enjoy it for what it is, okay? Just enjoy it. For <laughs> the <laughs> other two might vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> the warehouse near the end of the film. Victor has taken Jenny out of the equation as in the film, meaning out of the warehouse. Axel is being held steady by goons who occasionally punch him in the stomach and that. Victor gets his bum out. Ooh, ah! Look at my bum, look at my bum! Would you look at my bum, ma!" Ah, he shouts as he waddles slowly backwards, pants around his ankles, <laughs> flashing his camp English bum. A fanciful notion to be sure But beyond the realm of possibility Axel laughs at him (laughs) (laughs) Then Victor turns around to face Foley head on And shakes from side to side In the manner of chubby checkers the twist Look at my willy wobble (laughs) Oh, here he goes. He's going, he's going. Uh, it's silly, isn't it? It's I'm silly. surprised you got that out, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my willy wobble. Look at it go. Yee-haw! Willy, 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 willy. He intones most enthusiastically. <laughs> Is that any more a fanciful notion? Any less plausible than the last? Axel laughs at him once more. <laughs> <laughs> what a master of misdirection he is, our Victor. Because whilst this is happening, his henchmen, including Mike Ermintrout, are replacing the coffee beans that encase the cocaine and bearer bonds with bratwurst sausages. This will literally throw both Axel and the sniffer dogs off the scent of the delicious drugs. When Lieutenant Bergamot questions this switch at a later time, could be an hour later, could be a week, he really gives a fuck, Victor can simply Mandela (laughs) affect him. It'll have to be called something else, as Nelson Mandela wasn't released from prison until 1990, and it would be a couple of decades before some stupid fucking idiot thought they remembered him dying in prison. But I digress. (laughs) Mandela affect Lieutenant Bergamot about the coffee, slash cocaine, slash bearer bonds, slash German sausages, and that's, that's sorted. Then Victor turns back around the other way. It's my bum again! It's my bum again! Oh dear lordy me, I've got my bum out again! It's magical! It's magical! He trills, putting on quite the show. Peacocking, if anything, isn't he? But when you've got his kind of bank, you can literally afford to do so, I suppose. I wouldn't... <laughs> I wouldn't really know. Finally, pulling his trousers up, tucking his wig away safely and his bum, naturally...
2: <laughs> His witch. <laughs> I, haven't it, I haven't heard it called that for any long time. Hello, <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, Craig. I'm glad I'm not following this.
4: <laughs>
3: Victor nails the coup de grace. Unbeknownst to us, Victor's tomfoolery has served a purpose. He has oh. had tabs on Foley since having him thrown gently. <laughs> this isn't even funny. Oh, it's just sent me off for some reason. He's had tabs on <laughs> Foley since having him thrown gently through a window upon his arrival in B Hills. He knows that Tackleberry and Wormwood are problems, and so he has had an assassin <laughs> tackle the former at HQ by poisoning his coffee and donuts. He's gone. His face turned a startling shade of purple. Tongue pushed out as far as it can. Next, after the confirmation of his death is given by a beeper, naturally, they simply have Axel and Judge Reinhorn shot to death, much like Victor is shot to death in the film, with gusto. If Lieutenant Baggy Pill continues his investigation afterwards, simply remind him how rich and white you are, safe in the knowledge that you're pretty much bulletproof thanks to those two
1: facts.
2: Oh, fuck me. Oh God, that's over. <laughs>
1: I have no idea what happened there apart from the <laughs> indecent exposure. I was going to yes. say, can you sum um, it up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please give us a synopsis. I know there were sausages involved and then we yeah. we, kind of ta- we time-slipped into the future, but then, then it went back to, <laughs> <William> to Maitland's arse. <laughs> <ass laughs> yeah.
3: There was a reason I did the sausages and I forgot what it was, but I thought, oh, I'll just leave it in. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was to throw the sniffer dogs off yeah. the scent that the coffee grounds were already doing, but he just decided to replace them anyway for something yes, sn- but... the dogs would like even more.
3: Yeah, but it would be a less common means of doing so. Uh, so um, Foley wouldn't have um, clocked during his initial scout. He's already he's, he's he clocked at this point. well Where? Where? He'd be like... <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the warehouse. <laughs> but he wouldn't be able to convince <laughs> Bergamot that they're packing it with sausages. He'd be like, "What do you yeah. mean? They normally do it with coffee beans. Why would they be doing it with sausages?" And he'd be like, "Oh right. So yeah.
1: he he just stu- stuffed it with sausage. No, but wait, what? Cause... <laughs> <laughs> don't think Wouldn't about the dogs it. Dogs want to
2: find it if there was sausage." Fo- Foley goes
1: into the warehouse <laughs> twice. Right, the first time he finds yeah. the drugs. Yeah, and the coffee grounds. Yeah, yeah. No, just the coffee grounds. Maybe first he just doesn't find the drugs. First time coffee grounds, and the second time yeah.
2: it's the coke. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But then, but then the second time, that's when. Maitland does his dance and distracts yeah. Foley while, while right. the henchmen replace it with sausages. No, they've already
3: replaced it. with sausages. <laughs> Fucking hell. They know that Foley's onto them. So <laughs> they've said, okay, everybody knows right, okay. why you put coffee grounds in these things. Switch it out for sausages. Then when the <laughs> sniffer right. dogs go mad, everybody like, it's because there's sausages in there. Dogs bloody yeah. love sausages. Everybody knows this, particularly Jim and Bratwurst. So, you know. You've got <laughs> yeah. to think outside the box for what's inside the box. Jim and sausages. Yeah.
1: Works out beautifully. Yeah, it does. I reckon German imported German bratwurst is going to eat into your margins, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It depends how fine the coffee is. Get some expensive coffee mm. beans, don't you? True. When Jenny
0: goes shopping, she buys the cheap shit. But when Victor <laughs> goes shopping, he buys the gourmet expensive stuff. Gold blend. That's right. Well, does anybody have any more questions for the best, the best, the best? Before I bring us home,
1: I think I understand his plan about as much as I'm going to at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you're never going to believe this.
0: Shortly after having Axel Foley defenestrated, Victor Maitland muses that this detective is not to be underestimated. As a man of some cunning who hides his criminal enterprise behind a veneer of respectability and who literally hides his drugs inside cases of coffee, he understands very well that one should not judge a book by its cover. Foley may look like a hoodlum in his jeans and tracksuit top, but he found his way to Victor's office and walked right in, asking about Michael Tandino. Victor knows that Jenny Summers was a friend of Mikey and can therefore deduce that she is a friend of Foley's, who could grant him access to Victor's warehouses. Victor flashes a withering look towards his henchman, Zack and says, All this for a few Deutschmarks. We should have let it go. There's always money in the hot dog stand. victor gives the order to wind down operations on the drug smuggling temporarily after all he's already an obscenely wealthy man making huge art deals regularly and so it is that when foley gets into victor's warehouse and crowbars open a crate he doesn't find what he expects to inside instead of coffee grounds the crate is full of wieners (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my goodness
0: wow. Wieners asks Jenny I don't get it These would attract sniffer dogs Sure enough as Axel plunges his hands Into the smooth rubbery sausage pile He finds uh... no packets of drugs Only bags of sliced buns A frustrated Foley Tracks down Maitland Who explains that he owns a hot dog stand Near the beach Which he is happy to show Foley Why would I need to deal drugs He says there's always money in the hot dog stand. Mm. Foley sees Zack peddling the dogs to hungry children. With nothing tying Victor to criminal activity, the local PD will run out of patience with Axel soon. So he shoots Zack, covering the hot dogs in ketchup. <laughs> Satisfied, he has avenged Mikey as best he could. Fired and arrested, Foley is taken away to jail. While Victor takes an axe to the wooden walls of his hot dog stand, Revealing the bearer bonds hidden within its cavity. Ooh. Who'd have thought we'd both do hot Come dogs with sausages? Shit
2: weird, isn't it? About sausages. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think we both had the same idea, which is if sniffer dogs don't smell drugs when there's coffee around, what would sniffer dogs love to sniff? Yeah. <laughs> Some sausages.
3: Indubitably. When Victor repeats the refrain, There's always money in the hot dog stand, does he wink as well? little click to the audience
0: but not to foley (laughs) okay and he says to the audience have you seen the rest of development oh no you haven't (laughs) because it's not going to be on (laughs) telly for a long time
1: (laughs) but i think you and the best the best the best had opposite reasons for for including the sisters potentially the best the best best wanted to throw the dogs off a scent by putting something in love in the, in the drug boxes.
0: Whereas I wanted to throw Axel and Jenny off the scent by having right. them confused. Why would you put something in a exactly. shipment of drugs that dogs love? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is
1: the hot dog stand shaped like a hot dog? Yes.
0: Good. And if you can picture nice. it, Jonathan Banks wearing a little hot dog shaped hat as well as he gets shot to death with his blood spraying all over the children and their hot
2: dogs. How does um, Axel know Zach's killed
0: Mikey. Yeah, I was wondering that. Because he was with him at the start. Yeah, but he gets yeah, but he doesn't see, the does he? Yeah. Nah, he, he's, he knows. He, he knows, knows enough. He only knows <laughs> Zach because Zach... Tap the nose. He knows he enough.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's he's smart enough to put two and two together in the film, isn't he? By the time he kills him, he knows that he's the guy who did it. So, he's been in Maitland's office. He's seen his right-hand man. He's seen Maitland's manicured nails. Knows he's never been to Detroit. <laughs> Because the second you <laughs> step foot in Detroit, your <laughs> nails bits of shit. Some shit-pipingly diabolical <laughs> schemes there.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get the votes. First of all, we had Ben's Heath Robinson squash, which will mean nothing to you unless you know that the... <laughs> The British oh, name for a Rube Goldberg <laughs> device is a Heath Robinson device. <laughs> Did you know that? business? No.
2: Now you do. <laughs> I love the way that you had to basically explain your summary as well. <laughs> uh,
0: then we had Turner's shoot-em-up, ship-em-off, which involved shooting Foley to bits and then shipping the bits of him in containers. Then we had the best, the best, the best, switch wave switcheroo, <laughs> <laughs> which involved... Showing Foley his penis and bottom. Uh, you need to explain. Weird I think that says it, says it all. Even people who haven't heard it have probably guessed what happened. <laughs> 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 and finally, we had my hot dog hoodwink Deutschmark ding dong. <laughs> uh, so let's hear first from Adam. Who have you voted for?
2: Personally, I'm not keen on the idea of having two sausage plans in one day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of sausage. <laughs> it's a lot of sausage. Lucky if you, you only have
0: to vote for one of these plans,
2: yeah. So. Well, amongst the tears and laughter, there was a plan buried there. So I've gone with the best, the best, the best. Holy All man. right,
3: and the best, the best, the best. Who have you voted for? I went for my, my long time, long term wiener bro, Craig. Wiener bro is for life. <laughs> All
4: right, and Craig,
3: who did you vote for?
0: Well, it's going round the horn, this Ooh. wave of love, because I have voted
1: for Ben. And Ben, who have you voted for? I'm loath to say it, but the word widge made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I have voted for the best, the best, the best.
0: All right. And the best, the best, the best. What has that done to the season five
3: leaderboard? Well, I think the positions are the same, but the scores have changed. So remaining in first place with eight points is Ben. In second place, with six points, is Adam. And, oh, oh, oh now, in joint, third slash fourth place, with five points apiece, is myself and Craig. The Weeder Bros. Yeah, indeed. For life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> next week, Ben will be hosting. What diabolical delights will he be asking us to add our special
1: sauce to? Well, friends, next week we will be watching another 80s film, a comedy classic known as the Naked Gun from, from the, the Files, files of, of Police Squad.
0: And that wraps up this episode like a Beverly Palm Hotel bathrobe. Thank you for listening, and if you're just burning doing the Neutron Dance, make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, and leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. You can follow us on social mediums at Diabolical Pod. Next week we'll be competing to improve on the diabolical plot of Vincent Ludwig in Naked Gun. Until then, remember the Super Cup story is working.
4: Fuck me.
2: Oh, God, that's over.